us to encourage you and strengthen you. And so this morning, though, I'm going to get into Ephesians 5, and I'm going to share some thoughts with you this morning about this. And so I want to start off with a question, though, uh, you know, because I think this is a, maybe it's more recent and more felt for me, but you'll understand in a moment. But have you ever been given a task that you had no idea how to accomplish it? Like maybe your boss comes to you and says, hey, I need you to do this. And you're like, I have no idea how to do that. Or maybe you've gotten um, some instructions on how to put something together, you know, like from Ikea. Anybody ever tried to navigate Ikea? And, uh, you know, and you get it and you get the instructions and you see the pieces and you see the instructions and you're looking at it and you're like, that looks nothing like this. Or, you know, you're like, I think I got the wrong instructions. Like, you know, or, or as I had recently... I got instructions with no words. It was just pictures for some cabinets. And um, I thought, man, are these pictures in English? Because they really don't seem to make sense or look anything like that. Or, you know, like, I mean, I got the instructions. I, I'm reading, and I'm, I'm a pretty engineer-minded kind of person. I can take things apart, put them together. And I'm thinking, man, what am I... <laughs> So I'm like, what do I do? You, what, you Google it, right? I get on Google. I find a video of somebody from the company explaining to you how to put this thing together. I watch it multiple times and I go, I don't have those screws. I have these screws. And then I'm doing all this stuff. And so I finally get it figured out, whatever. And then I have some screws left over. So of course, what do I do? I go back to the instruction manual. I watch the video again. So now... I'm confused and I'm more frustrated than when I began because I was given a project to do that I just was feeling in case. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, this is not supposed to be this difficult. Or you have one of those toys that somebody gives your kid and you're like, how does this thing work? And you got to get on Google and search. How does it work? Like that happened to me with my son for his birthday. Somebody gave him a, a Nerf gun, right? The batteries are in. Everything's supposed to be happening. It has a safety. Who knew? I, you know, I'm like, John, you were there with me, weren't you? We were both there messing with it. Couldn't figure it out. I had to go Google it, and I finally found it. And boom. Or was it Was it you? No, it was Jamie. Jamie was there with me. We couldn't figure it out. And I had to go watch like a five-minute video just to figure out how to make this stupid toy work. To the glory of God, it works, you know. And uh, I thought it was broke. I thought, well, we're just going to take it back. No, I just wasn't smart enough to figure it out. You know, it's a five-year-old's toy and uh, just wasn't six-year-old. And, uh, but man, we, you know, we've had these things and, you know, uh, you know, and so we've, we, I think we, many times we can be presented with things and problems. Maybe it's in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's with a kid. You've got a problem and you just don't have a solution to it. Or maybe you're even reading in your Bible and you read something. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. I just don't know how to do that. And there's this frustration. And so, you know, you know, you hear people like me say things like, oh, you go read your Bible and you're going to be encouraged and it's going to be awesome. And God's going to speak to you. And you're like, I go read my Bible and I'm more frustrated because I'm like, I see what I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. Anybody else ever been there? Or you come to a church service and you leave a little more frustrated because you're like, that sounded great. And that's a good message. But I need some help for tomorrow. Like tomorrow's Monday and I need some help. Well, what do you do in that moment? Well, the book of Ephesians actually gives us some wisdom in, in chapter five about this. Because whether we realize it or not, we're not as equipped to be as successful as a Christian as we may think. And so I want to read some things. Uh, we're going to read through a, a number of scriptures this morning. 
You know, because I, I believe that the question many times that we can come to is this, is what am I supposed to do with that? Right? Like you could come to church and somebody can preach a great message and you can be all encouraged, but five minutes after service, you're just not quite sure what to do. It's like, well, that was great, but was it worth my hour plus time of investment? And so I believe the book of Ephesians actually gives us uh, some understanding. And so we're just going to pick up in verse 1. And I'm going to share some thoughts with you today about this. But in verse 1 of Ephesians 5, it says, imitate God. It says, therefore, in everything that you do, it literally says copy. Now, I know in school you got in trouble for plagiarism. But here the Bible is like saying, look, copy God. Well, how do you copy God? You, you look at Jesus and you follow his example. Because sometimes we can say, well, follow God, imitate God. Well, how do I imitate somebody I've never seen? How do I, like, what, were, what are his characteristics? What are his traits? Go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Watch how Jesus lived and interacted with people and follow his example. That's what it means to imitate God in everything that you do. He says, because you're his child. It says, live a life filled with love. So if we're going to imitate God, we've got to be full of love, number one. So there's... A little cheat for you, a little cheat code for you. It says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. It says that he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And it goes on, and this is where it gets a little more, maybe a little bit more like, hey, I get you, but that's a little more challenging. It says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. It says that such sins have no place among God's people. That's a little more challenging. And it's not so much the sexual immorality or the greed, but how about impurity? Like, is there anything in our life that's not quite where it needs to be? Let me just answer it for you. Yes. Every single one of us. The Bible's very clear. None of us are perfect. None of us have got it all figured out. But here it says that it's not supposed to be among us. Well, that can be kind of discouraging, right? It's like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, he doesn't stop, unfortunately. He keeps writing. And he says, so he says that there should not be these types of things in our life. He says, obscene stories and foolish talks and coarse jokes. These are not for you. A number of years ago, I came across a quote. If you've heard me speak very much, you know, I love quotes because I remember them. And so it's years and years ago. I found this when I had to go back and refine it and Google was not helping me. I had to actually go back into my old sermon notes and go find it. And, uh, but it's a very convicting thought, at least for me. It is, and, uh, but it's this, is that your character is revealed by what you find laughable. The things that you find funny actually reveals the level of your character. Ouch. I mean, we live in a clickbait world, right? You get an ad or something pops up, you're, you know, you're just minding your own business. The next thing you know, two hours later, you've gone down some YouTube trail and watching all these crazy things that, you know, funny things. And it's like, but should I really think that's funny? Should I have laughed at this joke or have, should I have made that joke at somebody else's expense? I mean, I have to be very careful because I'm sarcastic and I love a good joke, but sometimes jokes aren't really that funny for everybody, Right? So I have to be careful because I can get, and so this like, this verse like really convicts me. It's just like, oh, shouldn't have said that. Hey, you know, but that's, that's part of how we have to be careful. And yet this is because the Bible actually talks about this. 
And it says it's the little foxes that will spoil the vine. It's the little things in our life. It's usually not these big, massive things. It's these little kind of exterior fringe things that many times will wreak havoc. And even the Bible actually calls us, and this is another challenging uh, couple of words, which is to have moral excellence. It's not perfection, but God is calling us to what? To live like Jesus. Now, we'll never be perfect. And so we're not here to to condemn anybody. I'm actually going to give you the answer on how you can actually move towards this here in a few minutes. But let's keep going with the scripture, picking up in verse four. So he says, hey, don't have anything to do with these other things. But instead, the new living says it this way. Let there be thankfulness to God. And I like the way the passion translation says it. It says, instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out into your words. Like, don't have anything to do with these things, but instead allow your life to become worship to God. And in verse 5, it says, you can be sure. He gives us another warning. As if we missed it the first time, he has to repeat it. He says, you can be sure that no immoral or impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ or God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. You may say, well, why does God want me to give money to the church? Because he's trying to keep you from worshiping the things of this world. It's not about your money. It's about your heart. Right? That's why like giving and tithing and sending Bible. Why? Because it takes the focus off of us and puts it back onto God. And, And giving is not just an act that we do. It doesn't just pay the bills. It's an act of worship to God. Right. And that's why he says is that if we're if we're greedy, if we're always looking for this next thing and that. And look, God has no problem with you having stuff. Zero. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he wants you blessed. Why? Because if you're not blessed, you can't be a blessing. We believe in generosity. You can't give money that you ain't got. God wants you blessed. He does not want your stuff to have you. And that's important. Why? Because it will turn us. Because And look, here's the thing. A greedy person doesn't mean you have money. You can be flat broke and be greedy. So it's not either or. It covers, because why? Greed is not, a, is not a dollar amount. It's a heart. And greed is what? It's just a longing for something in an, un, uh, in an overly, like the, you just have this desire for something that's just too much. And, and, and the enemy would love to get us sucked away into the world, into this world, and get us so focused, not remembering that we are living for an eternal kingdom that's not here. And so we need to be mindful and aware of these things. And is that the enemy will try to distract us with all kinds of things to pull us away from who we actually are created and called to be. You know, Dara sent me a, a clip the other day of this lady. I don't know who it was or anything. I just happened to see it. But I thought it was so good. And she made the statement. She said, if we're not careful, we'll allow the enemy to suck us into lesser fights, forgetting that there's a greater fight to be fought. And we'll be fighting little things. I mean, have you ever had that in your relationship, like with your spouse or maybe a really good friend where you're arguing and then you, you both kind of stop and you're like, why are we arguing about this? You know, like, let me just help you. This isn't, this is just a phrase that I use often. And this is actually a lot of the way I filter things. Is like, am I willing to die on this hill? Like this issue, is this worth me? Like plant my flag in the ground there. I'm right. Am I willing to die here? Because if the answer is no, I don't want to die on that hill. But how many of you know, in the heat of the moment, it's easy to go, 
Boom! This is it. I'm gonna, this, this is my moment. I mean, I can remember I was a teenager. I've shared this, I think, before, maybe not. I don't know. I was a teenager, probably about 15, 16 years old. It's Christmas time, all of joy and cheer, and we're setting up the Christmas tree, and I'm laying under there trying to hook up lights, this or that, and my parents begin to argue about how many pieces there are to the Christmas tree. Is it two or is it three? This is 100% true. The volume increases. I'm laying on the floor as a spectator going, this is ignorant. I guess it's really stupid. It escalates. Now, I know this would never happen to any of you. The fight continues and gets louder and louder and escalates. To my mom going, is this worth calling the lawyer for? And my thought as a teenager is, I'm going to go take this tree and burn it in the front yard. Well, how many of you know the tree was not worth dying over? But how many times does the enemy pull us in? And look, we live in a culture. You spend a little too much time on social media, you will get sucked into arguments that you shouldn't be willing to die for. You'll take positions and you'll say, these are my absolutes. And yet the enemy has what? Just he's lured you away into a lesser battle that doesn't really matter. You know, one time I was talking with Pastor John and he made a statement to me and it really challenged me because I was telling him about my whole like, you know, I'm not going to die on that heel statement. And he said, I got another one for you. And I was like, okay. And he said, never fight a battle where there are no spoils. Where there's not a reward, where there's not a win. Like, don't just fight a battle to win. If there's not a reward, what's the point? Sometimes we would rather be right than we would to say, you know what? I might have been right, but it still cost me. I mean, and you can put that into many situations. I can be right in a circumstance with my wife, and yet it cost me my marriage, my marriage and my happiness and my joy. I may have won the fight, but I lost the war, right? Well, we need to make sure that we're not getting pulled out into things that God never called us to fight. And sometimes we can take on fights that God's never called us to fight. And we have to be careful of these things. Why? These are all ploys of the enemy to drag us away to be what? Worldly minded and not heavenly minded. And so the the scriptures pick up here in verse eight and it says, once your life was full of sin's darkness, it says, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. I love that word, but now, because it's not just, but it's, but right now. Yes, we, we had these things. We've talked about these things, but now God has done something different. And he says that we have light on the inside of us. Light is always good in scripture. Dark is always bad. I mean, you can go throughout the scripture. Every time that we see that. And yet here it says that the light of God is shining on the inside of us because of our connection and our union with him. It says your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so we see two sides here. He says, look, don't be caught away by greed. Don't be caught away by immorality. Don't be caught away by um, things that are unclean. He says, look, no, you need to understand and be focused on what? On the goodness of God and it showing up through you. On Friday, you're going to have an opportunity to allow the goodness of God to shine through you to other people. 
And I would encourage you to do that. Look for opportunities. It talks about righteousness. Well, what is that? That's who I am in Christ. That's my identity. I don't identify with my shortcomings. I identify with the price that Jesus paid for me and what he says about me. And what he says about me is that I've been redeemed by his blood. And so we can get pulled into condemnation. And if the enemy can, he will pull you into where you're so aware of where you've messed up that you forget about what Jesus has done right. But we've got to be focused on rights. We want to be focused on the truth of God's word. Why? Because God's word never fails. It always accomplishes what God sent it to do. And, and so this is important that how do we live as Christians? How do we, you know, and again, and I'm, I'm building up to a point, I promise you. Because you can read scriptures like this and you can get frustrated. And you can become discouraged and you say, well, man, I've blown it. What do I do? I'm, before we're done with Ephesians 5, you're going to have the answer. Because you may be in here and the, and the enemy has already told you and already kind of brought some things back to your memory of like, hey, this is an area where you're not doing very good right now. And he's reminding you why the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. It's one of his tactics. He's going to remind you of where you don't measure up. But that's why you need the word of God. I thank you that I've been washed and I've been redeemed and and I may mess up and I may not be perfect. But you know what? I do have a savior who loves me, who paid a price for me. And you need to encourage yourself in the Lord to strengthen yourself. Well, how do you do that with the word of God? I mean, even that statement, I may not be perfect, but I am redeemed. I am forgiven. Anytime that you have thoughts like that, you need to begin to respond to them. And maybe even out loud, you're like, well, that seems weird and that seems crazy. It's only crazy if it doesn't work, right? I mean, look, I had a moment in this room last week where all these thoughts were coming. Now, I'll just give you the full content. I was in here praying. I'd been in here for a while, pray, and also the enemy began to flood me with thoughts. And I let that go on for a few minutes, and then I just thought, you know what? I don't have to put up with this. And I began to declare what God has done, what God is doing, what I believe God will do. I began to stand on God's word, and I began to speak it over my life. This is how we live as Christians. I don't have to tolerate the enemy, although many times we tolerate him way too much. But I can combat him with the word of God. And guess what happened? Joy came back and peace came back and all of these things. And I went back to praying. If the devil will attack me in the middle of my prayer time, guess what he's going to do to you? He's going to attack you. But this is how we live. This is how we overcome him. So it goes on here in verse 15. Skip down a few verses just for the sake of time. I'm kind of, I would encourage you to go back and read this chapter this week, but, um, or should have. Could have read it last week, but if not, you can read it this week. But we're going to jump down to verse 15, and he gives us another instruction. He says, so be careful or mindful how you live. It says, don't live like fools, it Says, like, uh, but like those who are wise. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be a fool. Proverbs says that what? A fool never thinks about tomorrow. They live for today. That's what Proverbs, one of the descriptions of a fool in Proverbs. It's just, it is what it is. It's just today. I'm just living in the moment. Not thinking about anything. But yet here he says, don't live like a fool. Be mindful. Be careful how you live. Pay attention. 
Live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. He goes on and so that was verse 15 through 17. Verse 18 says this. It says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. He says, instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is the key verse from this chapter. After this, it starts talking about husbands and, mar- and wives and marriage and, and all these things. This is the key to the, everything before this verse and everything after this verse. This is the key verse of this chapter. Let me say it another way. is Don't look to the world to cope with your issues. Because look, your thing may not be what it says here. It says don't be drunk, right? Well, okay, maybe yours is Facebook. Maybe yours is food. Maybe yours is who knows what. Maybe it's just who, I don't know. I'm not even going to try to make a list because you're like, oh, he didn't say mine. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm off the hook. He didn't say me. But we can cope with any number of things. I mean, we're human beings and we're like, whatever we, and and the thing is, is like, just, I'm just going to use this because this is what the Bible talks about, right? I'm going to use this as the example. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Why? Because when you get drunk, there are after effects and it will take you down a road that will what ultimately destroy your life. It will. But he says, don't do that, but be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That there's a connection and a relationship with God that can actually fill us up. And so when I need to cope, this is what I do. I go pray. And you're like, well, of course you do. You're a pastor. No, I did this long before I was a pastor. And I can't imagine what my life would be like, my mental life would be like if I didn't pray. Because I'm a verbal processor. I think out loud. Where would my life be If I hadn't just spent some time to go seek the Lord and learning how to. I mean, I don't have the gift of prayer. It's a discipline in my life. And I go to the Lord. Why? Because I realize that I can't do this. The hardest person in your life, to be honest with, many times is yourself. Because we can fool everybody else. But we know our heart and we know what's on the inside. And we know, because that's the thing. I mean, we could be struggling with something in our internal life, in our mind, in our thoughts, our emotional, and yet no one around us will ever know about it. And it can be a real battle. You know what I mean? I just can't, I keep just thinking, well, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get up. I'm telling you, this is how you get over it. You've got to become full of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of God. According to Scripture, He is the very Spirit of Christ. You're like, man, I wish I could just be one of the disciples and walk with Jesus. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it's like walking with Jesus. Not some secondary, second-rate Savior. It says He is the Spirit of Christ. And it's so important, like if you've got areas of your life that, that the enemy has gotten a stronghold in, the way you overcome them is by being full of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 20 says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by the Spirit's power. The kingdom of God is living by the Holy Spirit who's alive on the inside of you to what? You know, God never does anything without purpose. Why is the Holy Spirit on the inside of us? To give us the ability 
to live out a Christian life, to be a witness for God. And so this is how we do this. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. We have to live by his power. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, is that it's not by might. Now that's human might. It's not by human power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And this is not complicated. We try to make it complicated because anything complicated we can dismiss. But the Bible makes it pretty clear on how we can live like this. Like, hey, I don't want to live a sinful life. I don't want areas of my life of compromise to rule me. So how do I overcome those areas? I've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. I've got to have a, like a lifeline to God that's more than a lifeline. Like I need a safety boat I can get in. Right? Proverbs says this, is that the, that the Lord is like a strong tower. That the righteous, we already talked about that, can run into and they are what? How many of you know the rest of it? They're safe. So we have, to, we have to know who we are in Christ, number one. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can say all of this, and we can go back to the same question that I asked you earlier. Okay, but what am I supposed to do with that? That sounds great. I'm supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how. I don't know what to do with that. Yes, I'm jacked up. If that offends you, I'm sorry, sort of, not really. We've all got issues. And we want to play games many times and, and just be pleasant and be happy. And everybody thinks we got it all together. None of us do. Just relieve that pressure. Doesn't mean our issues are the same. We all got different ones. That's why we needed a savior to begin with. And here's good news for you. We still need a savior. Like we still need God to work in our hearts. We didn't just get saved one day and everything's perfect. But there are some practical ways. I want to give you a couple things. Give you one thought and I'm going to give you three points before we leave. But here's what I have found in my 20 plus years of serving the Lord and trying my best to serve the Lord. Because there's been many failings and fallings along the way, Right? Let me give you another scripture from Proverbs. I love Proverbs. It's just a lot of wisdom for life. It says the righteous fall, but they get back up. Part of what makes us righteous is that we don't quit. Like, well, I messed up again. Okay, let's get up. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's take steps in our faith. Like, let's continue moving forward and making progress into who God's called us and is calling us to be. But this is what I know without the help of the Holy Spirit, and I need a lot of help. Maybe that's why I'm so like adamant on this because I need lots of help. But I know this is that I can't be a better friend without the help of the Holy Spirit. Practically speaking, sometimes I'll just a friend will just kind of pop up in my heart and I'll give him a call, shoot him a text. Hey, just thinking about you. How you doing? Hey, can I call you? Absolutely. And they call and they're like, man, I, I didn't know who to talk to. I'm so glad you reached out. Well, that's the Holy Spirit helping me to be a better friend. Like he just prompted me on situations I knew nothing about. I mean, sometimes some of you might get random texts from me or a call from me. Why? Because I've just had you on my heart and I don't know why. So without the Holy Spirit, I actually can't be a better pastor. 
I can't be a better husband to my wife. Why? Because sometimes I want to die on a hill and the Holy Spirit says, that ain't it. Walk away. Back away quietly and she won't even know you're there. Right? I can't be a better father with the Holy Spirit saying, hey, stop. Put the tools down. Quit doing. Take your son to the store. Go get him some, like, spend time with your, like, I need that. The Holy Spirit's very practical. He's not weird and out there. Like, go to bed. Like, I need the Holy Spirit to tell me that sometimes, you know. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm just being honest with you. I, I mean, the Holy Spirit's very practical. Not all these crazy, weird things. Sometimes we go to the extreme thinking about these things, but... See, my whole Christian life is absolutely dependent upon the person of the Holy Spirit working in my life. A hundred percent. I mean, I think about it this way. as man, if, I can't imagine what my life would be like without the help and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'd really be messed up. I'm messed up enough with him. I can't imagine what I'd be like. Well, I do know what I was like without him. I was a complete mess. You know, the Bible actually says that, he, that, that there's a ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. Is that he's, and the Bible says this, John 14, he's what? He comes alongside of us. He's a helper. He's an aid. And we're to live by his power, by his wisdom. The Bible says he is the spirit of wisdom. You don't know what to do. You can go to the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news. You ain't got to go far. He's on the inside of you. Right? You ain't got to go find him. Go looking for him. He's. I'm, I'm just, I'm right here. So how can we activate the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives? I've got three things for you, and we're going to wrap up. They happen to all be A, right? They all start with an A. Maybe you'll, it'll help you remember it a little bit better. Well, let me say this. I've got a, just a statement. It'll be on the slides for you. It's a quote. But is that part of the reason that we seek God is because we need God. That's why we seek God. It's just a recognition of man that I need God. And and just the fact is, is that we'll never live a God honoring life without the Holy Spirit in us. We just can't. I mean, none of us are that good. Now that can, you can say, man, you're kind of down on us today. No, I'm, I'm trying to help you to get to a place of realizing where your help comes from. That without Jesus, I'm a mess, but with Jesus, I'm powerful. It's a big difference. So there's three things, three ways of seeking God or three steps, I'll say it that way, of seeking God that I believe will help you. Is number one, you got to admit. <laughs> Sometimes the hardest thing is to admit you need help. I mean, like right now, I got a three-year-old at home. She's Miss Independent. She'll ask me to make her chocolate milk, which means, Daddy, can you go get the chocolate and the milk out of the fridge? But as soon as I get it to the counter, Daddy, I do it. Daddy, I do it. No, baby, you can't do it. Daddy don't want to clean up. So daddy's going to do it, right? But how many times do we say that to the Lord? Like, I got this. We're stressed out to the max, right? We're tired. We're stressed. We're frustrated. And instead of doing what scripture instructs us to do and saying, go to the Lord and lay all of your concerns before him. Like, daddy, I got it. So part of the first thing is to acknowledge, admit, I need his help. 
Like, Holy Spirit, I need your help today. Today. Right now. In this moment. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it happened to be a gentleman. And he said, you know, when I get home, he goes, I just have to take a minute and sit in my truck. Just get my mind right. I've been working. I'm about to go in the house and the kids and all the things that are going on. And I just got to take a moment before I get out of the truck. That's a great time to pray. Holy Spirit, I got to get out of work mode. And I got to kick into dad mode and husband mode. And I need you to help me because right now I got nothing left. I mean, men, if you're honest, we, we get there a lot more than we want to admit. But Holy Spirit, I need some help. I need some grace right now. Because I want to go love my wife well, and I want to love my husband well, and I want to love my kids well, and I want to love my neighbors well. And I, you know, but Holy Spirit, man, I, you said you were help, that you would help. I need some help. So you got to acknowledge it, admit it. Another way you could say that is, hey, I don't have this. That's a great way to approach the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're wisdom, and I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't know how to love my wife and I don't know how to love my kids and I don't know how to be a better employer or employee or whatever the situation may call for. I don't have this. But I thank you that the spirit of wisdom is on the inside of me. That you'll give me all the wisdom that I need. So you got to admit, number two, you have to accept his help. You ever ask somebody to come help you and then you just do all the work anyways? I can be really bad about this one. Maybe that's why I put it on here is you have to actually accept the help. It's one thing to say, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. But then people will come and try to help you. And then you're like, no, nah, I still got it. And then what are they thinking? Why am I here? Like, why did you call me? I mean, have you ever had somebody call you to help and then you get there and they're like, oh, I already did it. Thanks. <laughs> Apparently, why did you call me? Now, we have to what? Accept. It's, it's one thing to just admit that I need the Holy Spirit's help. It's another thing that I have to accept it, which... Practically, what does that look like? That means I'm going to, and this goes into the third one, is I have to be alert. I have to admit, I've got to accept, and I've got to be alert. Alert for what? To hear, to pay attention, to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because it's those little nudges, those little promptings. Many times the Lord does not, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, It's what the Bible refers to as an inward witness. It's it's almost like a thought, but it's a different kind of thought. It's not like a a thought from here. It's more of a thought from your spirit. Man, I don't believe that I've ever heard the voice of the Lord audibly. I know some people have. I don't know that I ever have. There's been a couple times I've wondered, like, I don't know if that was so loud in my heart that it seemed to echo in my ears, or if I actually heard the voice. I I don't know. But that's only maybe ever happened maybe twice. That it was questionable. Other than that, it's that inward witness. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt me in my spirit, man. And it may be a thought. It may be a challenge. I mean, I said it jokingly earlier. I've had the Holy Spirit right here go, don't say that. But it's so good. Like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're boring. And I want to be sarcastic. And it's really funny. And it's just right there on the T. And I can just, it's going to be awesome. And I can do what I want. I can make the punchline. Or I can say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're smarter than me. 
And I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to listen to you. So I'll give you these three real quick. And then we're done. I'm going to remind you of them. Number one, we're going to admit our need. Just own it. I don't have this. That's okay. It actually takes the pressure off of you. It really does. And look, and I'm a control freak. 100% unapologetic control freak. I want everything to happen and like all these things. But it's a house of cards. How many plates can I spin at one time? At some point, I've just got to come to the realization, hey, I don't have this. Holy Spirit, I, I, I can't do and be what you've called me to be without you. It's just not possible. Maybe somebody else can, but I can't. So I'm, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to accept his help when he comes. It may be reading scripture. It may be in a conversation with another believer. It might be in a small group. Oh, by the way, we have small groups today. Why? Because iron sharpens iron and we need to be in relationship, right? Relationships are so important. So we have to accept the help of the Holy Spirit. We got to be alert. We got to pay attention. Got to listen for the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, how do you know? This is always one of my default tips. Is there peace? If there's a peace, even better if you can go back it up with a scripture somewhere. If you have peace in a scripture, there's no doubt. But sometimes you don't have a scripture. Or you don't know of a scripture. And you're like, well, how do I know? Follow the peace of your heart. I'm like, well, how do I know when I have peace? You know when you don't have peace. Right? Like peace is hard to explain until you don't have it. And you're like, it's chaos. It's confusion. There's all this craziness. That's not peace. Peace has this calmness. It's this steadiness. It doesn't mean the circumstances will change, but on the inside of you. And so you've got to be listening for the, the Holy Spirit. But he's only going to come by an invitation. That's where you go back to the first one. You've got to admit, Holy Spirit, I need you. That invitation part is, hey, I, Holy Spirit, I, I accept you. I accept your work. I, I, I accept your help in my life. And when you speak, I'm going to be obedient. A, a prayer, a simple prayer that I've prayed many times. And I still pray it to this day. I've been praying it for a long, long, long time. Is, Lord, I thank you that I hear your voice accurately and clearly. I want to hear it accurately. I want, I want to be certain that it's you. And the longer that you walk with the Holy Spirit and the more that you're attentive to his voice, the more you'll begin to recognize his voice. And early on, it may be like, well, was that the Lord or was that not? And there are times that the Lord drops things in my heart. And I'm like, I know for a fact, 100%, without a, no question at all, that that's the Lord. And there will be times like that. And then there's other times I'm like, I'm not sure if that's the Lord or not. There's a scripture in Acts that actually talks about this. And, it, and I think it's funny the way that it's even worded. It's, so it's the apostle Paul and Silas are getting sent out. It's in Acts 13. You know, and they make this statement. It's just an intriguing statement to me in scripture. And he says, it seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. Like they didn't have a definitive word from God. It seemed good and the Holy Spirit didn't say no. Let me give you another little nugget here, just practical. Sometimes we can get hung up on looking to God for a yes. I have found that God doesn't say yes a whole lot. 
But I have found it's a lot easier to hear him say no for me. And so I'm moving in a direction. I've shared many times. Look, this has probably been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn because I'm stubborn, right? But I get something in my mind and I want to do that or I want to go here. I don't want to do that. And the Lord's like, don't do that. And I'm like, why? He never seems to answer my why, by the way. I'm not sure why. I wish he would. But usually it's just don't do that. Don't, 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 don't step into that conversation. Don't lean into that moment. I mean, I've had it, don't buy this car. Don't sell this house. I mean, it's been those kinds of things too. And both times, the first time I was on the car and I didn't listen, I regretted it. The second time I listened on the house, which was a much bigger deal. And I'm very glad that I did. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit was right. I just didn't know it. And so sometimes you can get caught up in like, well, I'm waiting for God to give me the green light, the green light, the green light. Take a step. Do you have peace? Take another step. Do you have peace? Take another step. Do you have peace? And if you ever get a check in your heart, that red light that just says, don't do that, just take a step back. Maybe you pause and you wait. Sometimes it's a timing thing. What's more important is not our understanding. It is our obedience to the Holy Spirit, though. And I've seen him guide my life in big and small decisions. Man, and it's a powerful, powerful thing. I've had the Lord tell me to distance myself from certain friends. When I was 19 years old, the Lord told me for nine months that I had to separate from two friends. And they were my two closest friends. And I struggled and I struggled and I struggled and I struggled with that. Because I'm loyal. I just am by nature. I'm a very loyal natured person. And I struggled with that for a long, long, long time. To the point that somebody had to call me out and give me a word in a service. I can quote the word to this day. I mean, verbatim. And this is what he said to me. Tell those friends to go down another road while you have a fighting chance to do what God's called you to do. And it took that for me to get into obedience. I knew it. I ignored it until the point the Lord had to speak it in front of people. For what I already knew in my heart, the Lord had been trying to talk to me for months and months and months and months. And in my head, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. He didn't care about my understanding. He needed my obedience. And there may be relationships that you need to distance. And there may be things like that. Well, I can't preach that to you from the platform. You may say, well, yeah, but somebody called you out. I don't think you want to sign up for that. Like, hi, let me just tell you what's going on. This is what the Lord wants you to know. And, this, and there's nothing wrong with that. And look, and if the Lord told me to do that, I would absolutely do that. But typically, and the Lord does share those things with me, and that's what I do privately. That might be a text or a phone call for me. Hey, I was praying and I just felt like the Lord showed me something. I don't, a lot of times I may not even know what it's about. But that's not just, I mean, yes, it is part of my function as pastor. That's part of the grace on my life, yes, but it's not reserved just for me. Hearing the voice of God is for every one of us. And if we can hear his voice, then we can live by his power. And that's why it matters. And so I want to pray this morning over you. Just that we would have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We need it. More than ever. We live in some crazy moments, some crazy days. And we need the help in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean... This Friday, it's one year marks. I mean, we're all still dealing.